0: But we love you guys. You know, I, got, I have to say this. Normally I would kind of banter a little bit here and there. But I'm a little bit taken back this morning. I just feel almost like I should take my shoes off and roll up my pants. Because I feel like I've walked in the middle of something here. And I've been watching online and been hearing testimonies and such. And I leaned over to Robin and Robin looked at me. And, and uh, how, how many know that God is moving at the assembly in a great way? How many know that? In a great way. And if you don't sense the Lord in this room, you just might be clinically dead. We're, just, we're gonna check your pulse. If there's something that you don't like or you just feel, I'm not able, we'll lay feet on you and pray and cast it out of you, but the Lord is in this place. And I'm so looking forward to this morning and tonight. I wanna share a message this more tonight on when the glory comes. What happens when the glory of God visits a church? And I'm gonna talk about that because when it does, everything changes. I, I mean, everything changes. And I, I, I know that, but a lot of folks don't like change. I know not you, but in some places, folks don't like change. I know that wouldn't ever happen in Missouri, but in some places, some people don't like change. And uh, But when the glory comes, everything is Transformed. And we're going to talk about that tonight and and, uh, an encouraging word that Monday and Tuesday, believe in God to heal, to fill, to refresh and to do whatever God wants to do. How many don't mind it when God interrupts and God simply says, I think I'm going to step in right now and take over. That's what we want every time we gather together. That doesn't mean that there is an order. It doesn't mean that there's not time in the, in the ward or whatever. But, but what it does mean is we want the Lord to have his way. And so I'm so grateful again for Pastor Dwight and wanted a great night last night, man. We went to the uh, Wantabi's Ministry Center last night in Sykes How many have ever been there? And um, that Japanese restaurant, Ministry Center. And the only problem, how many have ever been there before? Anybody ever been there before? Only problem, the portions, kind of small, more like appetizers. And um, uh, are you kidding me? They brought out a wheelbarrow to us. It was unbelievable. And uh, it was, I went back for breakfast this morning. As a matter of fact, and, what a great time with them, and love being with them, love being with you guys, and, and uh, I'm so grateful. Some came up and said, Robin, can we do your sing? Uh, Robin, it's only your third week back on the road. Uh, she was very seriously ill, and uh, she's fine now with COVID, but not able to sing yet, whatever, so I'll be doing most of the singing this week, and um, I do more of a hip-hop rap. Is that going to work here in Missouri? Is that going to work? Uh, I'll, bust, I'll bust one loose right now, I'm telling you, and, um, and uh, I've I mean I just, I've got, I've got more moves, and a bowl of Jello. I'm telling you right now, and um, I, I look like a bowl of Jello, actually. But, but uh, so I'm sorry about no music. But man, the worship team. Are you kidding me? I got saved. I got saved five times during this morning's worship. I got called to ministry. I said, yes, to missionary evangelism. But what, what a great team. Hey, I want to go to God's word. Pastor Dwight mentioned that normally now, uh, you went Sunday morning around 4 o'clock-ish. But I, I, I'm going to kidding you. He didn't say that. I'm going to get right to it. But I want you to open your heart. Give the devil a fit right now. And say, Jesus, I'm open for everything you want to do in my life. And so it's the if you have a Bible, uh, Genesis chapter six. I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture, Genesis chapter six. And it's basic Bible, and uh, it's a familiar Bible story. And uh, Genesis chapter six. If you're in Ephesians, head west in your Bible, like really fast. And Genesis chapter six. And uh, beginning at verse number nine, and here's what the word says on a beautiful, sizzling hot, my goodness, is it hot, Missouri? Come on. And, uh, but what a gorgeous morning. Genesis 6, beginning at verse number nine, here's what the word says in a gorgeous morning here uh, at the assembly. It says this This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and it was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I decide to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Verse 14, build a large boat from cypress wood, waterproof it with tar inside now. Uh, Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening along the roof along the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three, notice only one door. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Genesis chapter 7 verse 21 says this. All the living things on earth died birds, the domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurried along the ground and, and all the people, everything that breathed and lived on a dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth, people, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and the birds of the sky. All were destroyed, the only people. This is quite a verse here. The only people who survived for Noah and those with him in the boat. Now, now stay with me, I know a lot of Bible. Think of all of that, and then the words of Jesus in Luke 17, verse 26. And if you're a note taker, give me your email. I'll email you my notes for a small fee. I'll email you my notes, just kidding, uh, about the fee. But Luke 17, 26, Jesus says this. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets, and they had parties, and they had weddings right up to the time that Noah entered the boat, and the flood came and destroyed them all. For a few short moments, the days of Noah, the decision of Noah, and the deliverance God gave Noah and his family. I imagine, you know, I, I realized this morning, I got so blessed by all the kids up here, and I just, how many, it, it, it touched me. I found that some of it was hilarious. You've, I always got that one kid that kind of grabs you, who's looking around the room. And how, how many lovely children at the summer this morning that did an awesome job, a great job? And for many people, for many people, Noah in the ark, right, Gets kid, Noah in the ark, kind of cutesy, kind of nice, Got the animals. Got the. Ch- I got one shipmunk in the house. That shipmunk is demon possessed. I'm convinced. And you got the squirrels and uh, you, you got the uh, uh, lions and tigers and bear. You've got all the animals and and uh, I, I, I get this. We often make the story kind of cutesy. It's kind of nice and you know Noah and the boat and all the animals and they all come. And uh, one of the miracles in the the ark was the animals came to Noah. You don't think that's a miracle try petting a squirrel outside your house. They all came to Noah. That's a miracle. They just just all came walking. I'm getting on the boat, whatever. And so we look at this, not you, but some do. It's kind of like light, whatever, and and fun. And and, uh, listen, I I get all that. We have to make it uh, uh, for a child to understand. But can I say this? There's nothing cute about the message of Noah in the ark. It's about as serious as any Bible passage in Scripture when God says, I've had enough. When God says, my my, my mercy, it's yes, every morning, but it's, it's over. I'm going to wipe out everything that breathes. And so the message of Noah, I mean, we're living, uh, it's, it's serious, it's sobering, and and, uh, and and we are living in right now the days of Noah. Yeah, you don't need to be a Bible scholar. Listen, you don't need, you could be a novice to the things of God, but have a grasp that this whole thing's about to wrap up, church. We're very soon to go on home to be with the Lord. Very soon, people will walk down the streets of Bloomfield and Dexter. I pray not you, but some will pound the kitchen table and say, dear God, what have I done? I've missed the coming of Jesus Christ. There will be high school students. I'm telling you, they will pull out their hair and grind their teeth and say, what have I done? I've missed the coming of Jesus I'm telling you, it's in America, in all of Europe, all of Africa, that we are living in the last days right now. And when you look at the story of Noah and the ark, the Lord himself said that in the last days, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. So what were those days like that are similar to our days? If we're living in those moments, and we are, my friend, one similarity is the multiplication of people. It says in Genesis 6-1, people are get to multiply on the earth. Right now, on this earth, there's roughly 7.5 billion people on the face of the earth right now. But from 2000 to 2021, my friend, at that time, it was roughly a little over 6 billion. So only 20 years, we've had over a billion people on the face of the earth. We are living in the days of Noah right now. We also know we're living in Noah's day as well because of the moral corruption. It says in Genesis, we read it, how the, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. We're there right now. When Paul wrote to a young guy named Timothy, uh, uh, he wrote in Second Timothy, on the last days, there will be difficult times. We're there. We're there right now. He talks about some characteristics and about proud people, boastful people. But one thing he said to Timothy was, he said, Timothy, the day's going to come when nothing on earth is going to be sacred anymore. We're there right now, church. I, where folks, uh, where the clay is now speaking to the potter. Where the clay now, tells, we're living in an hour where so much that was once sacred is no longer sacred. We have people telling three-year-olds, you can choose whether you want to be a boy or a girl. That's not just stupid and ignorant. That is demonic and from the pit of hell itself. We see it. It's sweeping our nation, church. Can't you sense it? The acceleration of wickedness and evil. It's happening across the globe. And so uh, it says in Noah, uh, God looked at the earth and he saw that the people were consistently in totally evil. So the population, uh, the, the moral corruption, we see that right now like never before. And also we see violence everywhere. We just read it, how God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. So God says, "Look at I'm watch. We see it. Well, listen, we now watch it on the evening news. Listen, if you can watch the evening news, then go to bed and sleep like a baby right after it. You're just, you gotta pray for me. Uh, because the, the violence is right before us. The beatings, the, the beheadings, what's happening in northern India. The beatings and the persecution and the violence. It's, it's at a level we've never, ever seen before. In our own nation, the violence. Uh, and things that are unjust and, uh, and, and terrible, whether it be for individuals and, and, uh, and people taking over cities. And you watch it on television. And so, listen, we don't need to belabor this. I, I mean, we are living in the days of Noah like right now. And so God's saying to us, he says, Bloomfield, I'm moving by my spirit. I'm sending revival. I want to shake every part of Missouri. I want to shake America. I want America to know one last great outpouring before I come back. Because we're living in the days of Noah, like right this moment in this room. But then there's a decision of Noah. So imagine, God says, I'm going to wipe out the earth. And, and, uh, but he found Noah, a righteous person, the only righteous person he could find. And God speaks to Noah to build a large boat. He says, Noah, I'm going to spare you and your family. I want you to build a large boat. Now listen carefully. careful. Up until now, Noah had already made the decision to be righteous and blameless and faithful. But now Noah made a decision. I'm going to be obedient and do that which God has called me to do. So Noah builds the ark. Now, please hear me. Well, Greg, yeah, I get this. But, but in the building of the ark, we're given a picture of who Jesus is, what he looks like, what he does, how he moves. When you think of the ark that Noah built, we are given an Old Testament type, if you will, a, a picture of who Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is, and how Jesus works in the lives of people. So Noah, he, he builds that boat, and he's obedient. But the question is, what are the lessons in looking at the ark that speak to us? Some two thousand years later, the first lesson. When I think of Noah in the ark, I think of the ark as a perfectly timed refuge. Somebody once said, "The good news." It's only good news if it gets there in time. How many are glad God saves you right on time? Come on. How many are thankful that you're not what you used to be? Come on. Because if you, if you are what you've always been, you're not saved this morning, church. If we're always, if we're just what we've, listen, Paul said, it, if any man's a Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. And so when Jesus saves somebody, there's a transformation. Some folks nowadays kind of talk that down and uh, we don't accept Jesus and not really a biggie and just whatever. No, accepting Jesus is the biggest thing that can ever happen to anybody, church. And so when Noah built the ark, it was a perfectly timed refuge. It was when God said, I, I, "Enough! I'm going to wipe it. I'm going to wipe out the squirrels. I'm going to get harbored shitmunk. I'm going to kill people. I, I've had it with sin and wickedness." But then God, in His mercy, says, "I'm going to spare this one fellow." He says, "Noah, I want you to build a large boat," and that boat was built, right on time. You look at Scripture; God has a history of setting people free. At just the right time. I love Romans 5, verse 6. One, we were utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I love 1 Timothy 2, verse 6. He gave us life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message of God who gave to the world at just the right time, the Bible says. I love 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, as God's partners. He says, we beg you not to accept the marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, here it is, at just the right time, I heard you. on their salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I'm looking out at folks here this morning. You can say, got I remember what Jesus saved me. It was at the right time. You were at the end of yourself. Maybe you were at a place that the devil was sick and tired of you. But Jesus says, I'll step in right now. I'll show you grace and mercy. I'll put broken pieces back together again. That's what Jesus does. And that's what should drive us. I, you know, my wife and I, you know, when you get to this age, and we're still young puppies, don't get me wrong. I'm 62, 40 years of marriage. But Robin says, Greg, you're as immature as I've ever known you to ever be. So I cling to that word of encouragement from my wife. And we can look at life and and uh, what settle. Listen, we've got to get this urgency back, church. We've got to get this sense that the clock is ticking. And the world of sports, I remember playing basketball, high school college and the coach a- cold timeout. There'd be like maybe 11 seconds left, whatever. And uh, you want to be focused the entire game, but those last seconds, you got to be all in. This isn't the time to be religious. This isn't the time to be churchy. This isn't the time to be small thinking and small. This is the hour, church, to be convinced that for your family, your neighbors, your friends, that the right time is coming for Jesus to save their souls. It says it over and over and over and over at just the right time, at just the right time. And God has, again, a track record. The stories are countless of Jesus who put broken people back together again. I think of this one young man, we'll call him Kevin. Kevin. His name is actually Kevin, by the way. And Kevin walked up to me to church near Boston, Massachusetts. He said, you said Brother Greg, I want to tell you. He said, Jesus has changed my life. And let me paraphrase his testimony. He said, I got in the boat. I got in the ark. I'm saved now. He said, Jesus saved me. I, I, I love hearing testimonies. I'll take a testimony over gossip any day of the week. How about you? Now, some folks, not you, because you're church, but some people in our churches are addicted to nothing but gossip. They love gossip, they're like choice morsel. So. they love it. But there's nothing like a red hot pure testimony that lifts up the name that is above every other name of salvation. He said, Greg, he says, I was a crack addict for years. He says my, my family, my loved ones, and they tried, but I kept screwing up my life. He said, I I'd go through seasons, I would do well, but then I go back. The devil's relentless search. How many have realized that over the years? He's still out to steal and kill and destroy. And he said, I do well for a while, but then I, I just would collapse. And he said, one night, I'm at a crack house. In Boston, Massachusetts, he said, "I'm there at a close. What do you call it? A condemned house. Uh, you know the signs on a condemned and uh, dirty couches and and cockroaches and and, 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 and people I never knew and, and and dust and dirt and syringe needles and and drugs." And he said, I, "I'd spend days there." He said, "But there was one time, I was in this one crack house, and he said it was Friday night. He says I was gone." But he said, I heard a voice speak to me. God still knows how to talk to people at just the right time, by the way. And the, the voice said, The voice said, Kevin, get up right now. Kevin, get up right now. I said, Kevin, what, what you do? He said, I got up. He says, I I, I didn't know what was and didn't know it was God i I but on drugs. So I hear lots of voices. I've done crazier things than getting up. He says, I got up. And the voice said, Kevin, get up right now. Walk out of this house. Walk down the front steps. Go to the sidewalk. Why am I being specific? The same God that said, Noah, I I want to be an 18-inch pitch in the roof, and I want 70 feet wide. Listen, God takes details when it comes to setting you free. You say, Greg, I I don't matter. Greg, i you screwed. Listen, on your worst day, Jesus still would have suffered the beating of the cross because he cares about you. When it comes to redemption, God is in the details, and the God said, "Get up." You walk out of the house. You walk down the stairs. You, you get to. The, am I going out of the screen? I better. I just. Some churches have taser guns and they, whatever. I don't want that. Whatever. And uh, people think he's getting blessed. No, it's an invisible taser. You walk down the steps. You take a right at the sidewalk, and God said to Kevin, "You walk to the end of the street, and you stand on the cloner." I said, Kevin, I mean, I love these stories. I love these. And uh, I said, Kevin, what did you do? What did you do? He says, I got up. I walked on the front steps. I walked out of the sidewalk. I took a right and I walked out of the inn and I stood at the corner of the sidewalk. It was a Friday evening. It just so happened. It just so happened. It just so happened. It just so happened J- kind of like Ruth, it just so happened she ended up on a field that belonged to Boaz. Your salvation wasn't, it just so happened, God's fingerprints are all over your salvation. You never saw it coming. You never saw it coming. You're thinking, God's forgotten me. Listen, he sees you. He knows you. And God knows how to get to you. And there was a group that Friday night from the Brockton, Massachusetts Teen Challenge. Went out with their workers that night and they were out street witnessing. And they had to happen across the street there in downtown Boston, and they literally collided with Kevin on the corner of that street. And on the corner, Listen, I'm grateful for the old Billy Graham classics. I'm grateful for Crusades. I'm grateful for some Bob. We're going to show some pictures tonight, some things that God's doing. And I'm grateful. However, God saved somebody. But listen, for Kevin, that just the right time was. They collided at the corner. At that corner, demons came out of Kevin. At that corner, the blood of Jesus set Kevin free. At that corner, he said, "Greg, at the corner, I got saved. I got delivered. I got the Lord." Can Do a lot in a few moments. You know that, right? He got saved, delivered, and baptized in the spirit on the corner of a street in Boston. How come? How did it happen? Because no one knows how to rescue you at just the right time like Jesus does. So all that for what? I'm begging you, man. Who am I talking to? And you're that close to dying and going to hell. Let's not mamby-pamby be, be this And Listen, God's reaching for you. This is not some game we're playing. You know that. Some have asked me, Greg, we you go to Zimbabwe or India in the Crusades? What do you do, like, just ask people to come to Christ? Are you kidding? I don't, I'm not going to go to Zimbabwe and just kind of ask. I beg people, church. I plead with people, church. If Satan can do what he's doing, we must urge a broken world to know that, she remember the song I wrote years ago, Jesus loves you, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. We must plead with lost people. And listen, I know it's early morning, and I'm yelling, and I'm spitting, and I apologize. But I'm telling you, you couldn't convince me in a crowd like this, there's not somebody's heart beats quicker in this room you know you're not right with God. And God's saying to you, I want to change your life right now. For some in the room, this is the right moment for you. The victory for Kevin, yeah, God saved him and delivered him on the street corner, but was in a crack house. He got up. If he can get up on a crack house, you can get up in a few moments at a church and say, I'm not walking out lost. I want to walk out knowing that I know that I know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that when I die, heaven will be my home. When Noah, honey, am I yelling too much? A little bit, honey. Listen, can, uh, listen she, uh, <laughs> a guy came up to me in one church, an older man. And he took him by the hand, people are walking out, whatever, and he was soaking wet with sweat. I don't really sweat, I glisten for Jesus, is what I do. <laughs> I sparkle for Jesus. The gift of perspiration is what I have. This one guy said, He said, Boy, he called me boy. He said, Boy, you'll be okay. It wasn't all that convincing because he kind of, boy, you'll be okay. As long as you listen to the Holy Spirit. And listen to that wife God gave you. Are, you. are you guys taping this morning? Are you are you are you taping? While we're at this, can I just cover some housekeeping? My mother-in-law is a wonderful woman. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Here's the deal. Don't laugh. I say that once a week. I get pro golf balls several times a year. I, I gotta lay hands on myself. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for that. The building of the ark is a picture of a loving Savior who knows how to save people at just the right time. Not only is it a lesson how God comes at the right time, but but the lesson of the ark was this, the building of this ark, it wasn't only God's perfect timing, but it was strictly a God-provided refuge. It was a timely refuge, like Jesus will change you this morning or whenever you got saved, it was right on time. But this is something that, that men cannot orchestrate, that men cannot do. And this is why many people will die and go to hell. They'll trip over this point because I say, look, and I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll be a better person. A lot of good people are dying and going to hell every day. Jesus' says, word says how we've all sinned him. But Genesis 6.14 talks about this. God says, make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it. And so God gave the specific instructions. We talked about that, how to make it. And so the idea is this, that the building of the ark was God's idea, and Jesus' death on the cross was also God's idea. Basic Bible, free 360, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. First John 4.10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What that means, the ark, t- ark teaches us that although man tries, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Can I say this? This, this one problem, it goes back to the book of Genesis. With well, Adam sinned in the garden with Eve. And remember they took some, some leaves and began to make coverings for themselves? And God steps in and says, that's not going to work for you. And uh, there must be bloodshed. So an animal was killed. And God made the head coverings, but they were their own coverings that were not God's coverings. So God has an animal killed, the blood is shed, God makes a covering. Listen, it's only the blood of Jesus that can cover all of our sins. Listen, we can't save ourselves. And I get this, and I don't want to be, I know I talk loud and fast, and whatever, I guess we are who we are, but, 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 but I get, some say great, preach, sweat, spit, do your deal, but I've, I've got this. No, no, Greg, listen, okay, the evangelist, you command, you just whatever, look at, Greg, listen, do your deal, I've got this. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can't save yourself, man. God didn't look down and say, Noah, I see you're righteous, so look at, you got this, whatever. No, Noah, for your salvation, you've got to build the boat. And then get in it. So, who am I talking to? And, 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 and just, you know, all the trappings of religion. And, and you might know the songs. And you might even have a key to every closet in the church. But, but Jesus hasn't changed you yet. And we, we preach grace, but often live works. And maybe even without speaking it. You're a high school kid and haven't grasped yet. That God just happens to love you, man. He just cares about you. His blood can wash our sins. That we cannot save ourselves. It's only by what Jesus did. How many are grateful that although we could have called 10,000 angels, aren't you thankful, come on, Missouri, that Jesus stayed on that cross and shed his blood, that you and I could be saved at just the right time. 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 How many are glad God saved you at just the right time? Come on. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to yell at just the right time. Are you glad God saved you? You're supposed to say at just the right time, but I'll take the hoot and the hollering. Maybe bad coaching on my part. We got to work on that on my part. You did, you did good with the whoop and the, you did good. I, I dropped the ball on that one, okay? I, I I basically I screwed up and I just wanna just wanna just okay I'm back. There's somebody breathing in the room today and God's saying to you, He's saying, just stop it. Just stop trying to save yourself. Just stop it. Just stop it and surrender your life to the one that knew all about our sin. He knew the worst part of us. And yet Jesus Christ, with a heart of love, he was beaten and butchered and whipped. His head, they said, was swollen twice the size of a normal head. Jesus Christ died on that cross for you 2,000 years ago because he knew, Hubbard, you will never be able to save yourself. So it was a, a God-timed refuge. It was, a, it was. I'm grateful that it was a, a God-provided refuge. But the last thing is as first. As the ark and the lessons. It was the only refuge. I, I read this. It's basic Bible. I find nowhere That's just Noah. Listen, the sin, the world. I'm going to wipe everybody out, but you and your family. So, so build some boats. B- build the fleet. Now what he said. Build a large boat singular. Just one boat. You know, there's a, an arena down in Florida. Uh, we'll visit in, in the wintertime for a little bit. We Minister in Florida. In February, people meet Jesus in Florida. Can I get a big amen? In February. On July and August, they're on their own. But February, I'll go wherever you want me to go, Lord Jesus. There's one marina. And they got all these boats and just we walk down the, the things and look at the yachts and Rob and I pretend like we're walking to our yacht, you know what I mean? Like just because you can't walk to your lot your yacht like like you've never been there before, you know. I, I don't know how you walk if you have a yacht. I have no idea. But I just try to get my cool walk going on. You're going down to my yacht, you know, and just checking things out whatever man look at my whatever and uh we, we play a game like what yacht would you like what, look at the there's so many yachts whatever first there may be many yachts at the rose river marina but when it come to jesus saving people there's only one boat but it came to saving noah his family only one boat and, and that frustrates some people but that aggravates people it, it aggravates celebrities I can give names of talk shows that have mocked this. They said you're crazy if you believe there's only one boat to heaven. Uh, there's different ways God draws us, but yeah, there is only one boat that can get you to heaven. Well, well no, there, there you guys go. Well, you can go this way. Listen, we go to India. We don't bash Hindu gods. I don't go to India and bash the millions of Hindu gods. I go lift up the one name that's above every other name that devils tremble. And Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the only boat that can save your soul. So the message of the ark is the team comes, sister keyboard comes. Is she here? Is sister keyboard in the building? Where's sister keyboard? It's just a key. Honey, come on up here like I taught you years ago. Place something soft. If your team comes with you, I'm not sure how you do it. Whole team wants to come great. Uh, uh, you can kidnap them. You smack that guy in the head right there. And uh, and just, just, she just get, you, you, you get up there, whatever. So they're coming up, whatever. If you're still with me, somebody say amen right now. Come on. Now be careful. Because some of you, I called the team up. You, 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 without wanting me to see it, you reached in for your car keys. I, I know this happens. If you touch your car keys right now, lightning will shoot out of heaven over your chair. We'll drag you out, bury you, come back in, finish the service. Are you still with me? Someone say yes. We're almost done. It was the only refuge. Basic Bible, as we come in to land the plane, we'll circle the airport once, but we're landing the plane right now. Basic Bible, Acts 4.12. And this upsets even as crazy as it sounds even some church people that have drifted from the pure teaching of Scripture. When Acts 4.12 says salvation is found in no one else. Did you you hear that, church? We're not going to go to heaven through any other name but the name of Jesus, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Basic Bible, John 14.6 Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, no one, nobody, church, doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, or who you know. He says, no one covers the Father except through me. There could be somebody breathing in the room today, and you have fought that. Greg, again, preach sweat, spit, listen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make my own way. And one woman came up, a friend of ours actually from Bible school years ago came up and she drifted from the Lord. You uh, know, we, we talked to her a little bit and we brought up Jesus and she said, she said, don't go there. You know, you're not doing good spiritually when someone says Jesus and someone says, I don't want to go there. That's usually not a good sign. We talked about it's just living for God and being faithful. And we're great friends. We're still great friends with her. And she said, well, I made an arrangement with God. I'm serving God on my terms. She said, i make. Can, can I just say this, not looking to be like abrasive, but nobody serves God on their own terms. Nobody does. Well, Greg, you can say that, but I, I've made an arrangement with the Lord. Now, maybe there was some demon, some foul spirit. Bible teaches, you want to follow Christ, myself, or you? We have to receive him as our Savior, and daily we deny ourselves and take up our cross, and we follow him. The only way to serve Jesus is on his terms. He said, if you love me, obey me. That's what he said. And so for Noah, in the picture of the ark and there's no other name by which we can be saved. There's no other boat. He said, Noah, build one large boat. And then I'm gonna end with this. The deliverance of Noah. I mean, what a great story. Genesis 7:23. God what but every living thing on the earth, people, livestock, small animals a scurry on the ground, a chipmunk, and the birds of the sky. It says, All were destroyed. This is now the only people who survived were Noah, and here it is, and those with him in the boat. And I'm going to close this out. You're playing beautiful, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Are you still with me this morning? Noah was not saved because he built the boat. Am I okay down here, guys? Am I, this is a problem? Noah was not saved because she built the boat. Noah was saved because she got in the boat. So, you know how many folks in our churches are boat specialists? They're just, they're just, they're just, I mean, they can give you the dimensions and, yeah, we got the 18 inch pitch and we got the, the one, yeah, we got the, the one door, we got the, we got the Upper deck lowered, middle deck, lower, we got the we got we got the food, we got the trough, whatever. But they've never stepped inside the boat. Some have been around the boat. Some have been around the boat. Some can say, Greg, every Sunday, don't get mad at me because I love you. And thanks for coming. Come back tonight. Please come back Monday, Tuesday. Forget Shark Tank for one week. Come to church on Monday or be Bobby Flay. Let's come together for the next three nights. Amen. How many will be the Lord's alive the next three nights? Come on, he's alive. We're going to be God the move. Well, there's a lot of people. And this isn't a cheap shot. I'm grateful for online. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. For the shut-in that can never attend church and that lonely person that needs it. But don't kid yourself. A lot of people in our society now have said, you know what, I'm gonna bad the church and I'm just gonna get sold solo this and not no offense, but you're at home with your, you, you need to be here. There's many people that that, that now are, are, have distanced themselves and, and God, I'm not saying that if you're home, you're not safe. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying be careful that we don't drift. Because we need each other, church. The church is God's idea, man. He said, "I'll build my church; the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." And so, so there's many again that know the boat. They know where the boat is. They they, they visit the boat. They they, they, they go to fun, they go to boat functions, but they've never gotten inside the boat. And I'm begging you today. I didn't come on our 40th and I'm honored to celebrate our 40th with you guys. What a privilege for us. But I want to tell you, there's somebody breathing in the room and God's saying to you, I'm waiting on you. I've got your seat. He's calling you. I want you to picture a beaten, bloody Jesus who stands with nail scars in his hands and feet that stands in front of you right now, not a pretty Jesus, but a bloodied, beaten, crucified Jesus who says, come on. I bought your ticket. Come on. I paid your fare. Come on. Come on. I've got your, you don't know what You don't know what he did. He paid the price. Every sin all the darkness, all the wickedness. Jesus died on that cross. And now he says, all aboard, all aboard, all aboard. We are living in the days of normal. And I'm asking you, I wish was over coffee and a Danish or a bagel, preferably heavy on the cream cheese. But I'm asking you, are you,